Hi everyone, and welcome to Making It Count with Christina and Will, where we explore real ways to make your hard-earned money count today and every day. No matter your financial goals, we want to offer practical tips and insider tricks to help you accomplish them. Along the way, we'll learn from our local financial experts, answer listener-submitted questions, and share our own money experiences. So together, let's make make it it count. count. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Making It Count. This is the third and final episode in our Money Plus Love miniseries. Ooh, that's right, Will. So far, we've talked about our financial compatibility, budgeting for a wedding, and today we're talking about what do you do after the honeymoon to make sure that your marriage is financially healthy? This is going to be good, Christine. It'll be interesting. Of course, we've got three terrific guests to help us break it down. And I'm definitely hoping to learn a thing or two that I might be able to apply to my own marriage. Oh, for sure. But before we introduce our guests, I want to bring up something I actually read recently. It's about how couples with debt are far more likely to argue about money than couples with no debt. So the couples without debt, actually money doesn't even come up as one of their top five things that they argue about. That makes sense. Being in debt is really stressful. And when you're in debt, it's often hard to see the other side of things and like plan to get out of it. And and that can be really tricky. What financial aspects of marriage do you find the trickiest, Christina? Hmm. I think at first, right after we got married, it was like, okay, what's next? Because you you have so much anticipation and you're saving all this money for the wedding. And then it's like, well, what's next? What are our goals? Are we going to have kids? When are we going to retire? What like things like that? So that I think was stressful for us as newlyweds. What about you guys? I think for us, it was just adjusting to like talking to the other person about it. Like we had both been very used to just handling our own stuff and not worrying about it. And we just when we were dating, there was really no talk about it other than like, you know, I knew roughly what he made. He roughly knew what I made. And like we knew kind of the situation overall. But So there were no surprises, but I think it was just more so like, oh, now I have to talk about this with you like all the time. (laughs) Now we're like one. We're like together now. We're a thing. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Officially. Okay. So let's bring in our guests and introduce them. And returning today for the third time is our resident married couple, Katie and Jordan George from Edition Financial. Hi, guys. Introduce yourselves. Hi, Christina. Hi, Hi, Will. Thanks for having us back again. We're excited to be here. Uh, My name is Katie George, and uh, I'm married to Jordan. We've been married for a little over a month. Wow. Very long time. But I'm with Edition Financial as a senior relationship manager, and I've been with that credit union for a little over seven years. Happy to be here. Hi, and I'm Jordan George. I am Katie's husband. Um, We have been together. I'm glad she said it because I probably would have gotten it wrong. Like she said, I was like really hoping you would say a different period of time. I was like, wow, listening is going well. I was going to psych some people out with that one. No. um, So we have been together for a total of almost six years. But again, like she said, married for just over a month now. I am the HR director here at Edition Financial and uh, have been in the credit union industry for close to 15 years. So really excited to be back for our third installment. Thanks for having us back again. Yeah. Welcome back, our resident married couple. Our other guest is Clint Proctor from The Wallet Wise Guy. Welcome, Clint. Can you introduce yourselves? Yeah, my name is Clint Proctor, and uh, I started my site, uh, The Wallet Wise Guy, about uh, in 2018, about two and a half years ago. And I really 
wanted the site to be able to uh, help young people who are we're dealing with some of these issues that we're going to be talking about today, like graduating college and, uh, you know, if you have debt, what do you do with it? What do you do when you're looking to get married, to make good financial decisions as a couple? And uh, from my site, I had the opportunity to start writing for some other websites such as uh, Business Insider and Credit Karma and Dough Roller and several others. And I actually ended up launching out uh, and that's now my full-time career. So I write about personal finance and um, and how to make good financial decisions all day long, every day. And I love what I get to do. And I'm also the editor for a, a website called The College Investor. So I kind of live, eat and breathe personal finance and, uh, and it's fantastic. And I'm excited to be here today. Well, thanks for joining us, Clint. We're really excited for you to be here. First question, let's jump right into it. Since we started at the top of the show talking about debt, let's start there. So what can a newly married couple do to ensure that debt doesn't become a problem? Clint, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, you know, the first thing you need to do is just be honest with each other about what you have. You know, keeping secrets, that's going to end up backfiring on you. It's going to cause one or both spouses to have a lack of trust. Be honest, and it's better to have that discussion before you get uh, to the wedding day if you can and and know what you're getting into uh, together and then have a plan from that point forward how you're going to work towards it. You know, one thing we hear a lot that people have a misunderstanding of is credit scores and how they impact one another after you get married. So if you have a spouse who maybe has a lower credit score than you, or maybe you're someone who has a lower credit score than your spouse and you're worried that you're going to ruin their score after you get married, it doesn't work that way. You each have your own separate credit file. You can impact one another's credit in small ways. Uh, So if you have a high credit score and your spouse maybe doesn't have hardly any credit history at all, you could add them as an authorized user to like a credit card account and they can begin building credit history with you. Of course, if your spouse was to uh, become fully I guess, in charge of the payments and you were to, to delegate that to them and there was a missed payment and the account was to go into default or any of those things, then it would impact your credit as well. But the most important thing I would say is, you know, don't play the blame game with debt. You know, if you're going to get married to someone, you fell in love and you're ready to take this big step together and they made mistakes that maybe they're not proud of before they met you, well, that's in the past. Make a plan for how y'all can move forward together um, as a married couple and what the future is going to look like needs to be the main focus, not what happened in the past when it comes to credit and debt. So Katie and and Jordan, what secrets are you keeping from each other? (laughs) Let's have a breakthrough. Uh, I don't think we have any secrets, but we did just have a really big milestone And Jordan did add me as an authorized user and I got my own credit card. So I just got a lot more available credit to my name (laughs) this week. Oh, and Jordan sweat. (laughs) Already regretting the decision. Uh, No, no. she drove to Walgreens immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Call back to episode one. (laughs) No, I no, I think, you know, the the you know, secrets, I I totally agree with Clint on that. You you don't want to have any kind of financial secrets from your spouse because that can lead to distrust uh, in other areas of your relationship too. And that's definitely not something you want to dive into a relationship with starting that out as kind of the basis for your relationship. But I think, you know, as, as he said, just being open with each other, talking about how you plan to use your credit card 
cards, how you want to manage the existing debt you have, what kind of plan you want to make in order to get yourself out of debt if you're bringing you know, debt into the relationship. And then what are you going to do to prevent future debt moving forward? So like, what things do we want to start saving for today and now so that we don't have to use credit in the future? For example, cars, houses, retirement, et cetera. There's just so much stuff for a, a couple to have to pay for. And so you want to have kind of a clear understanding of how we're going to afford this stuff and when we are and aren't going to leverage credit. I mean, you just learn things about your partner uh, as you're getting to know them and learning other areas. So, But one of the things that Jordan and I learned about one another was I know he loses sleep if he has any kind of balance on his credit card. So that is not a thing that we want to do as a family moving forward is carry a balance on credit cards because I know now that my husband has a hard time sleeping knowing there is a high balance on a credit card. So it's just good to uncover those things, you know, and, and help avoid those stressful situations if at all possible. So we're, we're talking about the beginning and we're kind of like finding out each other's secrets. Let's jump straight to the end. You are retiring. How should married couples plan and save for their retirement? Well, Will, I think the first thing that they should do is talk about their risk tolerance. Uh, Some people don't mind taking risks to get long-term gains, while others prefer to be a little more slow and steady. So you need to understand where each of you stands before you make decisions about how to invest, and that applies to retirement accounts. Also, what type of retirement accounts? You know, does your company offer a 401k? How much do you contribute there? How much are you able to contribute? Have those discussions. Do you want an IRA in addition to those? So those are the kinds of things that you would want to talk about and understand from one another first. I think Christina talked a little bit about, you know, her retirement planning on one of the episodes and you had a really good plan that you worked out. Yeah, Mark and I from the very beginning our goal was to retire as early as possible. So we 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 put in as much we pay ourselves first and retirement's the first place that we put money. So that was a like you said that it, Jordan stays up all night about balances on credit cards. My husband stays up all night having to retire after the age of fifty-five. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, such a noble thing to work towards. I think I would go nuts. Like I'm going to retire as late as I humanly possible. <laughs> just keep me working until like right into the grave. No, but I yeah I agree with Katie, and I think too just like thinking about how you're going to allocate your money that's going towards debt. You want to talk about how you're going to allocate money that's going towards investment. So things like retirement for example. And one of the things we talked about in a, in a previous episode was balancing the payments that you're making as a couple proportionate to your income. So if one person is making more than the other, then maybe they're contributing a little bit more towards your retirement too. And that way, again, it feels fair and equal for all the parties involved. And then I think also just getting together and evaluating every once in a while, you know, are we making the progress that we want to make towards our retirement goals? I love all the online dashboards and tools that are available nowadays that we talked about this before, like just Excel spreadsheets and numbers and data and being able to see like the progress that I'm making. There's so many tools out there now that you can use to help with that. And just checking those things on a regular basis to make sure that one, your you know, your investments that you have are performing the way that you want them to, but also that you're contributing at a pace that's going to get you on track for that retirement, whether it is 55 in Christina and Mark's case or 85 if you're me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Clint, did you have any advice to give newly married couples about planning for a retirement? When is it too early to start talking about it? Yeah, I think 
as both as you've all have said, you're all right that you need to be talking about it as soon as possible. And I know when my wife and I, when we were in the dating <laughs> stages and and, the, and then when we were engaged, we were talking about some of our retirement goals and whether or not we wanted to retire early or late. And for us, it was early. And so we've tried to have an aggressive uh, saving plan. But I think that two things is um, one, I think that sometimes people, they have a, it seems like such a big um just I think to overcome, especially if you're someone who has a low, um, maybe you're on the lower side of the income and you're thinking to yourself, man, I'll never be able to have enough saved. I think understanding the power of compound interest is a really, really encouraging thing, especially when you're young and maybe you're early in your career and you're not killing it yet when it comes to your salary. And the best thing that you possibly have in your uh, kind of in your court uh, in you have on your side is time, if you're, especially if you're still young. So the earlier, the better, even if it's only $25 a month, even if it's $50 a month. When my wife and I got married, we were only able to contribute $50 a month. That was a huge sacrifice at that time for us. But you know what? It developed the habit of saving and we made it automatic. It wasn't something that we ever even thought about. And then we've just tried to increase that a little bit every year. And we kind of, you know, in the beginning, we wanted to kind of try to raise it like 1% just per year, just raise it 1% per year. And we would do that. And then it got to, well, let's do it $100 per year. And then it got to, let's really go crazy because our income was doing well. But if you can develop the habits early on in marriage, I think that's so much better than developing habits of maybe going into debt and spending more than you have and never building that into your budget and then trying to fix that later on, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Now, so we're talking about retirement and now we're kind of turning the tables a little bit about when should a couple start talking about combining their finances? And that's something that could be really stressful for some. And how can combining or keeping finances apart really minimize stress? So Clint, I'm going to start with you. And for, before I even have you answer the question, what do you and your wife do about combining finances? Yeah, we're a little bit different. You know, I, I, I kind of sometimes hesitate to give advice based on what we did because we, we went kind of full in with the full combining right from the get-go. And that probably has a lot to do with our upbringing and kind of the way we were raised to to handle things. And we just felt like that was going to be the way to keep things the simplest and be able to start having like shared goals that we could both kind of go after together. And so that's what we did. So right from the get go, we opened up a joint savings and checking account. And I would recommend that for a lot of couples, even if you're not going to combine all of your assets, go ahead and get that joint savings and checking account, get those opened. And at least you can have some shared money that you guys will use to split expenses to begin reaching your savings goals. And then if you're someone who feels like you want to go all in and completely, you know, just get rid of your separate accounts, that's fine. And then just have the joint account that you work on together. But a lot of people don't feel comfortable with that early on, or maybe they never will feel comfortable with that. And that's okay. And so there's budgeting apps out there that, you know, there's lots of them that are designed to work for couples who maybe have each of them have their own individual bank accounts, plus they have a joint account. And how do you manage and how do you budget with all that going on? So some of these tools have really gotten really creative with it. And I would recommend looking some of those up, like just Googling best budgeting apps for couples. And some of them, like they'll uh, they'll help you split line items between couples. You decide which of the expenses you want to share versus keeping separate, how much of your account you want to make visible in your transactions to your spouse. It's really crazy. I, I, I didn't really realize how much was out there until I kind of began writing about this for a living. But there's a lot of options that can make it simpler to start sharing your expenses and sharing your goals in little baby steps all along the way. 
So we were completely opposite from Clint. We kept our finances separate for the majority of our relationship and just recently combined as we were starting to work towards some big expenses like a house and and things like that, the wedding. So, you know, I think it can work either way. I think, again, the most important thing is to be clear on your purpose and your goals and make sure that you're aligned in those things and you can find success either way. It was important for us to keep our own separate accounts, but have a few accounts that were joint just to make things like Clint said, simpler and easier. And so we could automate a lot of those bills that were in both of our names regarding the house and the utilities, things like that. But one of the other great things that keeps us on track and motivated is pursuing those goals. So at a credit union, you can name your shares and your sub share. So you can name your savings account and any sub savings account. So what was our wedding savings account is now Katie's car account oh. because the wedding's over. And now <laughs> the next thing we're saving for is a car for me. So anytime we have who's for the me. car for? Yeah, who's the for car for me? Oh, for Katie. Okay, and okay. also for Jordan. Um, but mostly for Kate. Mostly for me. <laughs> so, but I just, I think it's great because it helps you keep your eye on the prize and keep your eye on the goal and reminds you what you're saving for. And when you're ever tempted to maybe dip in or to push a little over to the checking account, you are reminded of why you wouldn't want to do that. Clint, I'm with you. I'm team combine everything together. Let's make this easy. But Will is the opposite. Will is with Katie and Jordan. Yeah, no, so. me and Zach have a couple, like we, we, we share a credit card that we do all our spending on and we share a savings account and that's about it. <laughs> but it's mainly out of laziness because we have like our accounts at the same institution. And so like we just send money back and forth really easily. Like, I, it, that's really all it is. <laughs> I actually like I think I have most of his logins too. Oh, yeah. he shared his password. Don't tell anyone. OK, is it Zach is amazing hashtag number one knowing him it's like password <laughs> exclamation point no he's he's really good at that so we talked about this in part one of our money plus love series but i'd like to hear from clint what are some issues that can arise when there's a big difference in the income that partners earn and what advice would you give to couples who are navigating that income difference? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, once you get married, if everything's going into a joint account, it's considered community property. But you're, uh, you know, you're right. Sometimes the partner who's earning less may feel kind of resentful toward the partner who's earning more or or the other way around. If, if one partner is spending a whole lot more than the other. In my case, for Kendall and I, my wife, early on, like for our first I want to say year and a half of marriage, I was the only breadwinner. She was um, she wasn't earning any income, so we were living off of one income, and so we had to work through a lot of those issues. And there were some frustrations, there were some fights. I'd be like, "Wait a second, here, you know, I'm bringing in all the money, but you're the one spending it." <laughs> that wasn't true. I was being, you know, I was being a jerk, and so we had some serious fights, and we had some, uh, we had to work through those things. It helped once we both had income coming in, but I'm kind of almost glad that we worked through some of those issues then. And what we found was, is that it, in our case, as long as we had a, a shared budget that we had both agreed to, it really didn't matter as much for, in our case, how much income I had coming in versus her. We just knew as a couple, we wanted to spend X amount of dollars on food and on gas, all the other things that are variable expenses, certain f expenses are fixed like rent and things like that and insurance. But 
we had these variable expenses that we agreed upon. This is how much we want to spend. And we even had some what we would call blow off money for each other. So I wouldn't have to, she would never have to ask me money that was being spent in that category. And I wouldn't have to ask her about it. It got to where it wasn't even an issue because we were just happy that we were meeting our goals and we were saving a little bit each and every month and, and moving forward. But you can, if you, if you want, you can kind of look at contributions as proportional. So if one spouse is earning twice as much as the other, they can also contribute twice as much towards expenses. And I've known several couples who that's the way they handle it as well. Clint, you couldn't spend your money. You were working. So she had to spend <laughs> that's it for exactly you. That's right. That's what she told me. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Katie has that same alibi for some reason. I don't know why that is. And you just gave her access to your line of credit. Yeah, I've already turned it off, actually, <laughs> as we've been sitting. No, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. All right, so a big thing that you talk about right after you get married are most couples. And so I don't want to put any pressure on the George family over here, but having kids and starting a family. So that is, having kids is expensive. You can ask me. I have two of them. Clint, I think you have children too, correct? I do. Yeah, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Ooh. Ooh, child, you've got your hands full. Oh, yeah. Yes, we do. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Reflecting back now that you have kids, what advice would you give right at the beginning of their uh, marriage to start thinking about that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they need to be both agreed before you move forward on that making that decision because it is such a huge I would hope so. financial <laughs> choice and make sure that your you know you get your your income is stable have an emergency fund in place you know for us we we at the time when we first honestly when we had our first child we didn't have the full 6 month emergency fund it was closer to 3 which you know for us at the time we thought we were doing great i wish i now probably would have had closer to 6 months of um, of emergency uh, money laid, laid aside so we didn't have to worry about that with all the extra expenses that came along with having our first son, um, Landon, you know, making sure that even after the expenses go up, you can still continue to contribute toward retirement. But the biggest thing, I think, is making sure you have good medical insurance. And and I would say, you know, if you live in Florida, which we do, man, it's crazy expensive. And I was looking at some of the notes leading up to our podcast recording, and it's like, it's insane how expensive it is to have a baby in, in this state. Uh, it's like eight to $13,000. And for us, that's exactly about what we spent. And so I would say that one idea, if you really can't afford super, super, you know, high level insurance that's going to cover everything is to, if you have to be on a high deductible plan, or maybe that's what you have offered from your employer is to start putting money away in an HSA, a health savings account. And that's what we did. We had a high deductible plan for my employer. It didn't cover hardly anything. It was like a $6,000 deductible. It sucked, but we started putting that, and actually my employer put money for us in that HSA every single month, $250 a month. And so within, you know, within about two years, we had a full, we had our full deductible saved in our HSA. And that came in really, really, really valuable when we had our first son land in because we were able to spend um, that HSA money that had been saved for a couple of years. And we didn't have to take that money out of quote unquote out of pocket. So that's just one recommendation. Well, we're so new to the newlywed life that we haven't really talked about how much it costs to have a baby yet. And I was kind of hoping to keep that a secret from Jordan for a little while longer. There goes Katie's car fund. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we have worked towards building up that emergency savings fund for quite a while. And um, 
We, you know, hit a goal there that we feel comfortable with and we both have good medical insurance. So I think even unknowingly, we have been preparing for this. But yeah, I really was avoiding telling him how much the actual cost of the hospital expenses would be for that big life change. She's been trying to sell me on a puppy for a while, which is (laughs) way less expensive. And I haven't even been able to commit to that. So... We did the opposite. We did that. We did the kids first, and now we're now now we're waiting on the puppy. <laughs> we have we have a positive like on a good puppy. Plan, and plan. It's uh it's crazy, man. With the, we're in the middle of the pandemic, as you guys all know still, and that's like changed. I didn't know this was a thing, but it changed the puppy market. So <laughs> we've been waiting for four freaking months for this puppy to uh, to be born. But uh, it's almost as long as waiting for a human baby to be born. But yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's probably changed the baby market a bit too. Just, <laughs> just in general. This is going this is there's a higher, soon. a higher than normal uh, birth rate coming out of this thing. I would guarantee it. And that's not even talking about childcare. Oh man, how expensive childcare is. Don't tell Jordan. But I yeah, I, I, won't, I won't say anything else. Didn't we start this off talking about no secrets from your spouses? <laughs> and now Katie has said in like the last five minutes, don't tell Jordan like 10 times. I mean, I just have to say that the childless dual income lifestyle is actually quite lovely. I'm, I'm just going to shout out to my people who are not wanting children. <laughs> And we're both. And if in my mother-in-law 30s. ever listens to this, no, it's not <laughs> happening. Yeah, and we're both in our thirties, so we, you know, have grown accustomed to dual income, no childcare lifestyle. So it will be a big conversation when the time comes, and there will be a lot of adjustments, and I'm sure there will be a lot of stress. So this I is love helping how she's us. Like, she's like, yes, it would, it, it will be a stressful thing, and we will have that conversation. <laughs> I, I feel tears welling it's up in my eyes. Can we move on to the next? It's topic? When, not if. Manifest <laughs> destiny. All right. So we'll pull it back a little from the child <laughs> rearing, <laughs> child planning. I don't even know the words to use because I've never thought about it very much. All right. So let's let's go to our last question before we take an ad break. What advice would you give to married couples about budgeting? And we'll start with Katie. So when it comes to budgeting... We've talked about setting goals and starting on a positive note. I think that is one of the most important things when it comes to budgeting. And that is a callback to our first episode. We talked a lot about making it a positive conversation about goals and what we're trying to achieve together rather than what sacrifices we're going to make or what we're going to give up because that is going into it with a really defeated attitude. And nobody wants to give anything up. Nobody wants to feel like they don't get to do the things they love or spend money how they want. So I think the best advice that we've been given and that I've really taken to heart is, you know, go into it with the positive and the goal setting and and saying what you're working towards when you're making that budget. Yeah, I think it's just like any other goal that you have, you know, for example, when I'm when I'm talking to people about it at work, I kind of relate it to going on a diet or trying to get in shape. It's not an all or nothing thing. You don't want to do this crash yo-yo diet where it's no carbs, no sugar, no pizza, no fun. And because then what happens is you do that for a couple of weeks, you make a little bit of progress, but you're miserable. And then you crash back to the way that you were before, sometimes even worse. And with budgeting, it can be really similar. If you deprive yourself of everything that you enjoy about spending your money, then at certain like at a certain point, it starts to be, why am I even making money at all if I can't ever spend any of it or I I can't ever do anything fun with it? So I think it's about finding a good balance between those things. But like Katie said, if you you point yourself back towards 
what is the purpose behind what we're doing and make sure that your budget is designed with that kind of goal mindset, you know, kind of at the forefront, then it makes it so much easier to just remember why we're doing what we're doing and why sometimes maybe, you know, when we go out to the store, we buy one thing instead of filling the shopping cart with things. Or in my case, you know, you limit yourself to one Amazon purchase a day. A wow, day. Jordan, a day. <laughs> I was waiting to see if anyone was going to catch me on that one before I went any further. <laughs> if I can add one thing, I would say the biggest uh, mistake that we made early on in our marriage was that we only budgeted for the expenses that we either got a monthly bill for or that we had to spend on a monthly basis. And so example being, you know, we would budget for our rent, we'd budget for groceries, we'd budget for, you know, the, the car payment and insurance and things such as that. But what I've found for us and what I found for a lot of couples that I talk to is the thing that actually really kills you and adds a lot of stress to your life is those non-monthly expenses. So it's like the car repairs, home repairs, holidays, birthdays, vacations, health, you know, health costs, all those things that you don't have happening every month, but when they happen, they tend to be big. And so for us, what we started doing was we started creating like the, what we call rollover budgets and we just took what we thought we would we would spend in those categories and for the entire year and divide it by 12. So if it's like, you know, we think, oh, we'll spend $1,200 in car repairs this year, we divide that by 12 and try to save $100 per month. And so if you didn't spend anything in January, February, and March, well, you know, you'd have, you know, you'd have $300 saved. And that really started taking a lot of stress off of us and made life a lot easier. And we didn't have all these unexpected, quote unquote, unexpected things all the time popping up. They're not really unexpected. We know they're going to happen, right? Like we know Christmas happens every December, but it seems like we tend to forget to plan for these things until they're right upon us. But when you can add some of those non-monthly expenses into your budget, it just makes everything go so much smoother and really, really makes it a lot easier to budget and kind of keep up with your expenses without stress. Great advice. Thank you. We're going to pause for a quick ad break and then we'll be back for our rapid fire round. Making It Count is sponsored by Addition Financial. When your want to needs a little know-how, turn to the Money Smarts experts at Addition Financial. Just like this podcast, they're committed to empowering our community to make the best financial decisions possible. Count them into your financial journey at additionfi.com. Early insured by the NCUA and an equal housing lender. All right, welcome back. Now it's time for our Making It Count Essentials. And to keep things interesting, I think producer Lauren wanted it to be a little bit more equitable because Will always complains that I get the happy questions and you get the not so happy questions. So what she did this it's time... It's a very reasonable and logical complaint. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently it's been heard. So what we're going to do you, is you get a happy and serious question and then I get a serious and happy question. Is that okay with you, Will? I mean, I still think it's out of balance because of how many happy questions you've asked, but sure, we'll go with it. It's fine. How about you start then? Fairness, not it. Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Katie, we're going to start with you. What do you think is the most important thing couples can do when it comes to discussing their money? Check your egos at the door and don't place blame. When you're married, it's not really about who makes more or less money, who came into the marriage with more or less debt. It's about managing that money so that your married life can be financially stable. You can be comfortable and minimize disagreements as much as possible. We all know those stem a lot from the financial area. 
That's great advice. Drop the ego. For fun, what's the weirdest thing you experienced when you and Jordan combined your finances? Ooh, I, the I don't know that there's anything super weird that I've uncovered yet. But remember, we've only been married for a little over a month. So I'll get back to you <laughs> if I uncover anything. Put a pin in that. But I do have a little bit of a funny thing. So we in the course of the time we've been together, we've gone through a few hurricanes together living in Florida. And one time, I guess Jordan went and took a bunch of money out of the ATM before one of the bigger hurricanes. And so for almost a year, he was paying for everything with $5 bills. (laughs) And I was like, what is with the $5 bills? And finally, he told me that when he went to the ATM, he took out a, a, a large sum of money and it gave him all fives. Before a hurricane. Okay, so. I'm dying. Okay, Y2K as well. Did you hit the ATM before? Look, look. When she was telling the story up until she said ATM. Were you putting tape on your windows too? I didn't know where she was going with that. And I was a little concerned. But no, okay, look. The ATM didn't give me an option of what denomination I wanted. So I got $500 in fives. (laughs) And then so I was just like, well, what am I going to do with this much money? You know, I, I was expecting like 20s or something something. No, it literally, I sat at that ATM for like 10 full minutes while it just slowly dispensed $5 bills to me. (laughs) And I had no explanation for it other than like, that's what the ATM defaulted to. Oh, Katie, thanks for sharing that That story. That was a, I love it. All right, Jordan, it's your turn. So now you got to come up with something that's equally as embarrassing. So what can the serious question first, what can couples do to manage their financial expectations? I mean, we we said it a lot, so it sounds like a little bit of a broken record, but you've got to talk to each other. And I, I mean, again, that's just general relationship advice. Talk to each other because when you don't talk to each other, it leads to misunderstanding, miscommunication, you know, hurt feelings, things like that. So, you know, for example, if, if one of us has the expectation that we're going to buy a house this year and the other one isn't there yet, we're going to have a fight over what it is we're saving for. So if we're in agreement about what our goals are and we're talking about those things on a regular basis, then that's going to minimize the miscommunication and the arguments and all the uncomfortable stuff that comes with dealing with finances. Speaking of uncomfortable, what is the biggest dispute that you and Katie have had about money besides $5 bills? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I don't, Katie would probably disagree with me, but the one that I think is the most recurring dispute maybe not quite the biggest, is I'm a bit of an oversaver. So now that we have a joint account, when our paychecks come in on payday, they both go into our checking. And then I immediately, like usually when it hits at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning, because I'm a bit of a night owl, I whisk every penny of excess money away into a savings account. So if I know that on average, we spend about $100 a week in groceries, I move everything accept that amount in. And Katie kind of gets mad at me because she's like, but I spent $103 on groceries this week and the $3 isn't in there that we need to cover it. So I'm like, I will put every extra penny into savings. And I think Katie would like to have a little bit of a higher buffer in there. cushion. Yeah. (laughs) She needs that Walgreens money. That's right. Do you agree? Is that the, the biggest dispute or like the most, that's the most recurring one we've had, I think. That's a recurring and you've been better about it lately, giving me a little more buffer room. I just get nervous that my card's going to be declined when I go to buy groceries or we're going to have, you know, a fee that I wasn't planning and or quickly move money to cover something. And nobody likes the surprises. So I think that is it goes to that advice, too. 
Nobody likes to be surprised by something like that when it comes to money in a relationship. But I think the other thing that was hard for me was when we got back from a really long trip and Jordan left. He said he was going to run errands. I knew this was coming up. Uh, and he came back with asked. a new car five hours later. Wait, what? All right. With, it have a red bow on it. Look, look, look. Okay. No, it was okay, for Clint, himself. Clint, I don't need you adding to this, okay? <laughs> oh, which is why he's getting a car. All right, for no, no, no. <laughs> let, me, let me clarify just for the listeners so they don't think I'm an animal. Please okay? do. This was <laughs> get yourself out of it. Go uh, ahead. Th- let me let me see if I can dig myself out of this hole. This was before we were married. This was within like the first year or two of our relationship. We had not combined finances. She, we were not paying things jointly. This so is this all was true. all my money in my account while we were still in the dating phase. So granted, granted, I won't make that mistake again. Because <laughs> Katie has hope. not let me live it down for the last five <laughs> years. Uh, but it wasn't as bad as it sounds because it wasn't when we, after we had combined all of our finances and were married. That's I, true. It was just a big decision that he made, and I didn't feel like I was part of it. And my feelings were hurt that I was left out of it. Totally. I, I forced I really Zach to let me go with him to buy his car when we were dating still pretty early on because I was like, you're going to get ripped off. And because he like he knew the car he wanted, he knew the features he wanted. He walked in and they were like, we have it over here. And he's like, great, let me sign for it. And I was like, no, 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 (laughs) no, no, no. That's not how that works. (laughs) We're going to pull back. (laughs) Yeah, I I was uh, fiercely independent for most of my life. And that was my first real lesson of like, ah, I can't do this anymore. Okay, got it. Lesson Mm. learned and been much better since then. All right, Clint, we're going to move to you. Okay. so first question, what can couples do to avoid disputes? overspending yeah i think one of the keys is to just talk about your kind of your personal goals and and make sure you really understand each other's backgrounds and experiences and how those how they may be shaping their expectations of how the money is going to be spent for a silly example in my case with my wife her and her family spend a lot of money they really enjoy eating out. They really enjoy um, going to nice restaurants. My family never really did that. They always ate, in, ate at the house. But we did a lot of traveling, and her parents never really did much traveling. And so, when it came to money that wasn't, you know, didn't have to be allocated towards bills, I would find myself feeling frustrated if we weren't saving towards, you know, towards a trip while. She was feeling frustrated that I never wanted to go out to eat. And neither of those expenses are necessary. Neither of them are right or or wrong expenses. They just happen to deal with kind of what we both enjoy spending money on. And so we had to kind of meet in the middle and realize, man, this is something that she made a lot of memories doing. It's something she enjoys and a way that she feels like we can kind of draw closer together. And I feel that way with travel. How can we make sure that both of those needs are being met? And we came to the point that it wasn't a... We didn't view the budget as being a restrictive thing, keeping us from spending money, but instead of a way of helping us develop a plan for reaching our goals and the things that we wanted. And basically a budget is just um, it's just a goal with dollars and cents next to it because pretty much every goal you can think of is going to require some money. And so we just look at it that way. We look at it as we have all these things that we would like to do. So let's budget for it. And it makes it a lot more exciting. And so then we started just having agreed upon limits for things. And as long as we both stay within those limits, we don't talk about the budget. 
uh, we set it and then we just follow it. And if there's going to be a really big uh, purchase, of course, we're going to talk through it. I'm not going to leave the house and buy a car uh, and come back five hours later with one. But <laughs> but with the exception of that, we kind of just follow the budget. Sorry, husband. I deserve that. I I want to turn this into the most dramatic podcast you've ever seen very badly, but I won't. Okay. So Clint, second question. This is the fun question. Is there a spender and a saver in your relationship? And if so, which one are you? Yes. And I am this, I am the uh, saver. My wife is the spender. Mm. A lot of savers in this room and I'm not very pleased. <laughs> I love how Clint was like, I like to travel. She likes to go to restaurants. I'm like, I like both. <laughs> Hey, I, I, I have grown in that and area to appreciate both places. as well. <laughs> Absolutely. What is life for if not those things, right, Well, Exactly. Spending yeah. money. Why do you have it? Why do you have it if you can't spend it? Can't take it to the grave, I love that, right? I, I also love that Jordan was like, I, I get up and I move that money. I have to have it moved for me ahead of time in my payroll because if I see it, it's getting spent. <laughs> Oh, well, that's yeah, that's a whole nother thing. But uh, yeah, don't don't be fooled. We have it split up. I'm talking about the money that we've agreed is for spending. I still put some of that in savings every single paycheck because I just yeah, it's a compulsion. Well, next time, Jordan and Katie, we're going to be talking about car buying and we're going to be talking about saving. No. All right. So thank you so much, you guys, for being here. Yeah. Thank you both. All three of you so much. Jordan, Katie, thank you for being a part of our entire Money Plus Love series. We loved having you here for all three of the episodes. So thank you so much for joining us and being our resident married couple. Thank you. This was so much fun. I'm so glad the timing of our wedding worked out for you, Christina <laughs> and Will. No, no. It was very, very beneficial. advantageous yes. for our yeah. recording schedule. <laughs> thank you. No, seriously, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much. And Clint, thank you so much for joining us today. How about you share with all of our listeners how they can find out more about you and the Wallet Wise Guy? Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for asking. You can search for my website. It's the Wallet Wise Guy. Um, that's WalletWiseGuy.com to see um, the content that I've written and I've put on there. A lot of content around saving money, uh, making money, a lot of content that kind of is geared towards young people who are just kind of starting their financial journeys. So there's like a first time car buyer guide or a first time home buyer guide on there. There's a lot of content about um, student loans because for people in my generation, that is typically their, if not their uh, first, then their second largest source of debt that they're dealing with. And there's a lot of options out there to make it more manageable. So I talk about a lot of those things. So definitely check out my site. And if you want to see writing that I've done for um, for other sites and clients that I work for, you can just uh, search for my name or go to my site. Uh, my name is Clint Proctor, and you'll see some of my latest work from, um, from kind of all over the blogosphere. Thanks again, Clint, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it was an honor, guys. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. All right, Christina. It's time for our favorite segment. What What did did we we learn today? today? So for me, my biggest takeaway was something that Clint said that I, I think it's so smart, especially for newlyweds, is not budgeting only for your monthly expenses, for your known monthly expenses, to also budget for those other expenses that you don't know are coming like with Clint's wife she she loved eating out or you love your face cream or or whatever you have to budget for those things i'm not wrong you're not i'm not wrong my target runs like those all should be budgeted not including be- because they're outside of the monthly budget so i thought that was really smart well for me it was that jordan is a duplicitous liar who hid his no i'm kidding i'm kidding it wasn't no 
he was he was he was single no he won't you won't okay so for me it's actually when we were talking about budgeting i was thinking through some normal expenses so a lot of times there are reoccurring copays that you have because you just go to you know the similar doctors every year eye doctor you go you know for me i have to go to my dermatologist see (laughs) i live in florida and i am very pale so setting up like a flexible spending account or an hsa can be a great way to budget and save some money for those known expenses that are coming up and like clint said taking those very known expected expenses and and not pretending that they were just out of the blue anymore. All right, so at the end of every episode, we like to share a resource to help our listeners make it count in their lives. Christina, will you tell the listeners about today's resource? Of course. Today, we have a smart financial goal-setting worksheet. It's got all information and guidance to help couples set financial goals using the SMART acronym that stands for goals that are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. I think that's going to be super helpful. Mm -hmm. Listeners can find it by visiting resources.additionfi.com, and we'll put the link in the show notes. And that's it. Thanks for listening to... Making Making it it count. And that's a wrap on this episode of Making It Count. If you learned something new, were inspired to reach your financial goals, or just found us entertaining, please subscribe, share, or rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. And don't worry, we'll be back soon with another new episode of Making Making It Count. Count.